Here's Johnny. I'll be back. And you will know my name is the Lord. I'm walking here. I'm walking here. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Groovy. Hello and welcome to Box Office Pulp. I just realized after I like toss out the uh, ladies and gentlemen part. Fuck. I got to go back to writing the intro each time now. I'm going to say it wrong. You're all inclusive now. That's. I was thinking that the other day, like, ladies and gentlemen, we don't have the non-binaries included. <laughs> we got to we gotta jazz this thing up, man. It's fucking old. Welcome to ladies, Box Office Ladies, Pulp. gentlemen, and further. Ladies, gentlemen, et cetera, et cetera. No, that doesn't work either. I don't like that. That is very uh, dismissive. What is wrong with you, Cody? Yeah, it's bad. Yeah, I'm canceling myself. That was garbage. I've always liked ladies, gentlemen, and those in betwixt. I'm not fancy enough for that, but I like where you're at. People of Earth, I bring you a podcast. <laughs> can, th- can that be the new, like, gender-neutral greeting? <laughs> People of Earth, welcome to this convention. I, I particularly want to do it like Bonesaw from Spider-Man. That's <laughs> everything Who's she ready to hear about a podcast, baby? I don't think he ever said baby in Spider-Man, but I would have liked his character more if he did. No, no, no. Randy was never, uh, never a baby person. <laughs> like that makes it sound like he was doing some sort of diaper fetish yeah, I don't know what he was up to with Miss Elizabeth before they got that divorce <laughs> you know I don't know if this is the actual start of the episode so let me try again <laughs> no it is it is it is oh, it's, it's it always like it is Cody oh boy it's meandering anyways people of earth welcome to box office pulp your one si- we'll workshop it we'll get we'll get better welcome to the box people office. on the other planets who are catching Fuck. us like the episode of Futurama why don't you just yep. say you, 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 particularly you at home. Thanks for showing up. I appreciate it. It means a lot. I'm smiling right now. You can't really see it through the sound waves. Anyways, welcome to Box Office Pulp, your one-stop podcast for movies, madness, and moxie. I'm your host, Cody. Joining me tonight are my co-hosts, Mike. Say hello, Mike. Do you think she used butter for that hand job? <laughs> spoilers, spoilers. Uh, <laughs> and my other co-host, Jamie. Say hello, Jamie. You know, I can't say that I've had a theater experience quite as horrific as this, but I did see Hellboy 2 in a nearly empty theater with a guy a few seats down from me eating pickled eggs out of a very large jar he'd somehow smuggled in. So what? I, so, th- so this brought up, did bring Who up some fuck? memories. What? Who eats pickled eggs in a movie theater? What? Okay, okay. Well, hold on. Who needs to eat that thing. many pickled eggs? That you have an emergency once. container you take with you? Jamie, hold on. Fuck, man. I don't even... I, I don't want to do this episode. I'm that stuck. in there. <laughs> Podcast over. Jamie, the ki- oh, folks at home, uh, people of Earth, <laughs> sovereign men of Mars. No, that doesn't count because I'm back to gender shit. Fuck. Spartans. This is harder than I thought. Use Spartans. Use guys. <laughs> <sighs> man, fuck this. Uh, <laughs> I have lost the thread. I can't even remember what I was going to say. <laughs> What are we here for, Cody? What are we here for? Oh, that was it. That was it. Thank you. The pickled eggs and what we're here for. Uh, We're here today to talk about (laughs) the new movie, The Last Matinee, or I believe as the uh, screening we had was named Red Screening. Was it Red Screening? Red Screening was the original name of it, yeah. I kind of like Red Screening. I know it's too late for them to go I like Red Screening, too, especially since this isn't a matinee, but I know Last Matinee just has a better ring to it. Right. You get the idea much faster. Like, oh, oh, a matinee. It's in a movie theater. Gotcha. Um, 
Sorry, folks, before we get too far into that, I swear to God, I'm going to start this episode proper one of these years. We're doing The Last Matinee. It really just came out this week that we're recording the episode. Uh, you can find it on Amazon Prime. Uh, I believe that you can rent it through Amazon Prime. Uh, I think it's included free if you have Showtime. Uh, Vinegar Syndrome has a collector's edition Blu-ray of the movie you can go buy right now. I believe it's $25 plus shipping. comes with a limited edition slipcover that's pretty neat. Uh, there's a thousand left, so don't buy one thousand. I want one for me. And I think you can watch it. Uh, what other streaming services it's on? You can uh, watch it on, I it's on Arrow, Arrow Video. Correct. Yeah, yep. It's on Arrow Video. It's went up uh, December first. It has a couple special features, um, and uh, you can just uh, try out Arrow for thirty days free. Actually, it's a cool service. So you'll find lots of stuff on there. Oh yeah, they just put on the uh, Yokoi monster movies, which have been like not oh, available hell. in any good form for a very long time. So that's really exciting. I got their Blu-ray set, but that's still really cool for everyone who couldn't get it. Uh, <laughs> also, speaking of Arrow, The Last Matinee came out on an Arrow Collector's Edition Blu-ray. I believe it's Region 2, Region B locked. Yeah. So if you're in England, you can pick that up. Uh, or if you have a region-free player, you're better than me, and you deserve to watch any movie you want. Nothing's stopping you. So that's the sales plug. The movie just came out. Uh, we're going to try and do the first half of this episode with minimal spoilers, so if you're curious about the film, want to learn a little bit more about it, listen to us. We'll warn you when this segment is ending and we transfer into full spoilers and you can jump ship then. Yes, yes. Uh, also, just a self-plug, I uh, if you go to horrormovieshub.com, there's also a spoiler-free review by yours truly uh, on there if you want to read a little bit more. Mike, uh, why didn't you just read your review in the episode? <laughs> then I wouldn't have to make any notes. I could have saved yeah, myself I from a really bad five-minute stumbling opening. <laughs> I mean, I, I I could, but I don't I don't like dramatically reading my own words. What if we re-record this episode? Um, I dramatically play some bongos and introduce you, and then you read it like it's a spoken word poem. I'll snap. Do you own bongos? I like Jamie's idea. We got snapping. You didn't answer the question. Do you own bongos? I no, I I don't. You got me. I don't. I, I would get really? bongos. You strike me as a Donkey Kong kind of guy. You know, I never actually played that Donkey Kong. I was very jealous of everyone who had them uh, and just never got on board. Never, never got the, uh, what game was that? It was Donkey Kong, like, Busted Drum or something stupid. It was literally called Donkey Kong, I believe. Oh, Conga, Conga, right, yep. More of a lanky Kong to me. <laughs> I don't want to talk about Donkey Kong, because it's just going to, like, it's it just so many flashbacks to me dying millions of times in minecarts, and I can't handle that right now. Oof, oof, Ryan, those rhinosaurus, those uh, rhinoceroses. I, I need good vibes. We're going back to the murder movie. Anyways, folks, the last <laughs> matinee. We're going to describe it. I swear to God, we're getting there. We're getting there. We're giving them buffers <laughs> for the spoilers. It is uh, Spanish language, subtitled. I'm assuming the DVD releases are the same, so make sure you're ready for some subtitles. Uh, directed by Maximiliano Contenti, a name... I honestly did not think was real the first time I read it because I thought it was a play on <laughs> Max Content. Awesome name, though. It's a cool name, but I'm like, oh, that seems like an alias. Uh, so, uh, boy, I'm just jealous because people look at my name like, oh, that's a shitty name, not even like a fake name. That's just bad. You should change that. You should be Maximiliano. <laughs> I mean, you should. Anyways, this is an international co-production of Uruguay and Argentina, and it is kind of a loving homage to the Jalo films of the past and the slasher films of the eighties. Uh, I would say it's a slasher film wearing a Jalo overcoat. Uh, Mike and I discussed this a little earlier. I think he's on my side with that. 
So if you, if you love Jello, you're going to see a lot of references that you're probably going to dig. But if you're going in hoping for a slasher with a lot more gore, I think you're going to be really pleased. This operates much more like a slasher than it does a murder mystery. Very much so. Uh, uh, Contenti called it a love letter to both the Giallos he grew up loving and the slasher movies he grew up loving. I would constitute it as a as a neo Giallo, but it's definitely split pretty firmly down the middle. There's a lot of Giallo DNA in it, and one of the things I liked about it is it's not. Um, obtuse dna like it's not just the trappings of a giallo um which i think is what pushes it more towards uh, slasher in a lot of ways is outside of you know the the killer being gloved and all that a lot of it's just uh vibe and feeling and like camera work or or music but uh then with a lot of a lot of sla- like traditional slasher on top of it and a little bit of Euro slasher that's outside of the Giallo realm. Like a lot of British slasher, I would I would say. Hmm. I definitely see that. I would say maybe the best way is think of a triple header. You start with Barbarian Sound Studio, then you move to the editor, and then you finish with the last matinee. And I think you kind of get the trajectory of what we're going for here. <laughs> yeah, that actually sounds pretty accurate. It's... A movie, not about movies, but set in movie theaters, so you have those trappings all around it. Uh, there's a lot of blood. It's very, very gory. The kills are big kills. They they must have put most of the money, I think, probably in blood and guts, which is fantastic. I loved watching those bits. I had a third thing. It's gone. I was, I was, it, <laughs> it's gone. It's it's uh, it's got a good ratio of gore where it's not um. I was, you know, what I was going to mention. The main thing, Mike, I think, besides besides the gore, Mike, uh, I I don't know why this left my mind. Very horny. I would say a very horny film. It's a very horny movie. It's 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 definitely um, it's, it's from Uruguay. It's definitely. I think that's honestly something missing from a lot of a lot of modern day slashers. Uh, you're not horny, horny anymore. Yeah. There's there's a if lot less horny, to start. Uh, cheeky about it. Right, like, oh, remember yeah. how horny the old slashers were that were like they're not like they're not truthfully horny <laughs> so it's like an ironic horny this one the characters yeah. are all very horny and you don't see i don't think there's a lot of i don't think there's any actual nudity involved is there no no is that a spoiler you see come <laughs> you see come that's the spoiler <laughs> yeah but I, i'm not spoiling where it comes from so now the audience has to be on the lookout oh no i don't know where the comes flying that's a second mystery for you to try to figure out God, I, I hate the mental image of surprise come. I don't I don't like the idea of it just being flung at me like fucking Silence of the Lambs. I don't I don't like the path we've gone down here. Anyways, that, that's just the new version as... of the that's the new version of the nail on the uh, staircase from the quiet place. It's the new movie <laughs> trope. You never know when the comes flying. I hate it. I hate it. I don't know how much more I want to say without ruining the movie, because uh, I, I think it's pretty straightforward. It's a fun romp. It's an homage to all the stuff you like from the 80s, horror-wise. Very bloody. Characters want to do each other. Uh, I think that about covers the it's basics. It's got some good inventiveness, like I was saying with the... Oh, it looks like it doesn't cool. look like a $2 Jesus project no. either. Nah. Not at all. It It looks really pretty sleek. And while it doesn't have a lot of kills, and I would have liked to have seen some more, the ones that are there have personality. 
for the most part. And eh, I know the way they're done is not always unique, but often has like a, a really good masterful amount of tension. I think like the first kill, which obviously I won't spoil, but is maybe my favorite because of the way it's done. Even though you don't see this, this, you know, overly gory effect. Also one, one last little bit here on the technical side, uh, very solid throwback score, kind of a, a synthy eighties uh, yeah. ish score. One of the, the things that drives me absolutely nuts. You don't get it as much now as you did in like nineties movies. But when a 90s horror movie was low budget, it sounded it was like one guy with a Casio keyboard that was supposed to be playing like the trumpets and everything. And it sounded so cheap and fake. I'm, I'm really glad now that a single producer can make a whole score that actually sounds complete and full. So everything about this movie doesn't scream cheap to me, which I, I love. I mean, I'm sure this was not a $50 million movie at all. So the fact they can kind of dress it up and make it look like a bigger production is wonderful well it, it does help that it was filmed in a ludicrously spectacular theater <laughs> that is a real theater <laughs> that was i assumed it was just kind of like sets or like some borrowed warehouse they dressed up no that was uh the theater the director went to as a kid oh that's amazing did they, did they actually so it film... actually looks like the, the theater itself almost looks like an effect but it's like a thousand seater theater wow so, so in the movie, it's set, this is actually a period piece. Uh, it's 1993 in Montevideo. Was it actually filmed in the town it takes place in? Or was yeah. that just, oh, wow, cool. Yeah, it's actually technically two, th well, it's sort of two theaters. The one where the, the indoor box office is, um, is a separate theater because I guess that one had a little bit more room for the scenes they were particularly filming. Everything else, uh, though, is that specific theater neat huh. we learn something new every day all right folks we've just uh started geeking out about theaters which is a pretty good sign we should move on to spoilers i think everyone everyone got the uh the the spoiler free junk out of the reins spoiler spoilers this is the last matinee anyways thank you folks who are leaving now because you're afraid of spoilers come back after you've seen the movie and listen to us talk for like another 10 minutes. Uh, I swear it's not going to be all cum jokes this time. I promise. All right, they're gone. All cum jokes. It's all cum jokes. I was lying. It's nothing but cum jokes from here on out. Everything oh, thank is God. always nothing but cum jokes. Uh, what a great year for cinematic hand jobs. <laughs> I'm just saying between this and Go The on. Green Knight, it's been a big comeback. When was the last time uh, you actually saw Jism in a non-porno release? I'm thinking, like, uh, there's something about Mary. That's, that's quite a ways Kumar back. Escape from Guantanamo Bay. That was some okay. thick, frothy cum. That's a ways back, though. Let's isolate that. <laughs> Please do. Um, boy, I really, I can't help but derail the episode by talking about cum shots. Um, <laughs> man. Go on. Go on. No, so, we mentioned before, the movie is very horny. And that's one of the things that surprises me. We have a character who gets a handjob in the theater. As Mike alluded to with the buttered hands comment at the very start, uh, we have two kids who are ferociously making out when they get impaled through both of their faces, which Ooh. to me is the highlight of the kills. That one is oh, my personal God. favorite. Anytime you're like you have a kill where it's two people making out or naked together, it's like the most scary and uncomfortable to me because that's like ultimate vulnerability, right? You know, you don't have even underwear on to protect your dignity or anything. And someone impales you to the other person you're getting on with. 
classic stuff. Especially this one when it's through the heads. <laughs> They're so busy making mm-hmm. out they don't notice the masked man standing behind them with like an eight-foot pole. Uh, th- this movie has so much glorious eyeball violence. It's basically the recurring, uh, the recurring motif of the film. They went big on the eyeballs. It's all over the marketing stuff, too. Uh, the Vinegar Syndrome slipcase for the movie has like a giant eye in the place of where the projector would be. And like a glow behind it, and then the killer's silhouette in front of the eyeball, followed by two more eyeballs underneath the title. They're big on eyes. Uh, bad, dumb confession on my part. Starting the movie, when the killer pulls out his glass of pickled eyes, I just was like, "Oh man, that's gross." Dude's eating fucking pickles before the movies. <laughs> did not, did not occur to me that it was eyeballs until the end of the film when the jar makes its reappearance. I was just like, "Oh fuck! Oh, those aren't pickles okay. at all." That's what you're supposed to think. It's okay, okay. Cody. Yeah, that's right. what triggered all those fucking pickled egg memories. <laughs> I did briefly think when he was doing that, I wonder if those are eyeballs. Nah, he's probably just eating pickles. I was just thinking, like, man, I have never in my life carried pickles around with me. My first thought, actually, was I thought he was going to piss in the jar. I thought it was a jar of piss. Then I was like, oh, oh it's did pickles. I? Grandma's peach tea. <laughs> uh, so one thing I wanted to get into, but it would probably be Spoiler City, so we're saving it for now, is the definition of, is this a slasher, is this a jalo? I think we've kind of settled on just calling it a neo giallo, but in my mind, it's it's just definitely a slasher. And the breaking factor for me is the killer here doesn't get like a dramatic reveal where they pull off his hood and it's like, oh shit, it's the former projectionist who's secretly your dad. There, there's no interpersonal drama about this dude. He is a nutso that just comes to the theater to murder everyone there. Yeah, he's just a roaming killer. Classic yeah, he's slasher. a slasher. He's yeah, more Jason Voorhees than he is Ghostface. I really appreciate their resistance to do any kind of theater-based branding with this killer. Like, I love how there's, no, other than, like, the eyeball fixation, there's not really any kind of novelty factor to him, which makes him all the more terrifying. Yeah, I'm trying to think through the kills. It's not like he murders someone with a, a, a stretch of film or something, right? Like, he doesn't... No, the he, does some, he does some inventive, like, kills to give him some personality that oh, almost sure. feel like mini art projects. Like, probably one of my, my second favorite has to be when he kills the dude smoking. Oh, he yeah, that's the my neck, favorite. neck back so all the, mm-hmm. all the smoke fills out. <laughs> He's having fun with it. That, kill that made was a really me, cool effect. That kill made me hop up and down in my seat like a five-year-old. I've never <laughs> seen that. It it's really, so yeah, it's a great effect. Um, man, yeah, yeah. I think that's going to get most people on the movie's side right there. It's a very straightforward but inventive kill. And that, that's one of my main problems with current day slashes, too, is a lot of time when people get slashed, it's over and over. Okay, they got stabbed with a knife and they bleed a lot. Or it's something maybe on the jigsaw side where it's so elaborate you have to spend like 20 minutes watching the person die in the trap because it was expensive. This, I like, it's inventive, but also fairly straightforward, so you get the best of both worlds. You don't just have the same kills over and over. You get to really slice and dice everyone in a unique way. As as long as I'm talking about the slicing and dicing, though, I could not stop laughing. The killer, like when he does the bathroom kill, is is using a retractable toy knife. I had the same model as a child. It's it's like a $2.95 knife. It's the cheapest thing in the world. And they have repainted it to look realistic and just folded the fuck out of this thing. (laughs) I had that exact knife, I swear to God. I could not stop laughing. It's like, oh yeah, 
fuck. I, they probably went through 50 of those things on set because they would crack in half from the spring being too strong. Now you can be the eyeball killer. You can be the eyeball killer. It just, just like go to the next magic show you can find and they're probably selling those and like those little revolvers that say bang and have a little flag pop out. Just to jump ahead for a minute. When he reveals the eyeballs. Yes. In the jar and swirls them around and he's got to get a good takes a bite threateningly. I want an entire franchise with this dude. <laughs> the eyeball kid. Undead or something. I mean, that would really cement it as a slasher if he was undead. I, I like the supernatural aspect. Like, he could just appear in any theater and start pulling eyeballs out. As soon as the projector turns on. It's like Dr. Killjoy from The Suffering. <laughs> I think it, it's kind of like a Victor Crowley thing. Instead of haunting the bayous of the South, he's just like dilapidated theaters pulling eyeballs out of people that, you know, are too busy making out instead of watching the film. And make it, okay, Mike, we have it set in the current day. Anytime someone pulls their cell phone out and the movie is playing, fucking, as soon as they go to the bathroom, eyeballs out. As soon as they go to the bathroom, eyeballs out. That just sounds like a weird rule. That sounds like a rejected VHS sketch. From like VHS <laughs> 1. There could be another VHS after uh, 94. We'll save it. We'll save it. Cut that part out of the episode. <laughs> So I, I really love the kills here. I don't want to go through all of them. There's not a huge number, but I want to leave some surprises, I guess, if, if people are listening through to this point. Uh, but the steamy throat slice was definitely the coolest looking one. The one I love the most was the pull through the two lovers. Uh, the killer having to perform surgery on his own face. <laughs> that was so good. That was very Terminator-esque. Yes. I'll, I'll say, okay, when it comes to facial wounds... There's a couple of spots that'll always make me scream. One, anything with the eye. I think that's universal. Nobody wants their eyes to get messed with. It, it just, ugh. They seem squishy. I don't want stuff poking into them. Ugh. And two is the teeth. This movie didn't do anything with the teeth, but anytime there's a film where, like, a character has a tooth ripped out or, like, oof, something oof. scraping against teeth, yeah, ooh, nails on a chalkboard. It's bad. So if you can work either one of those into your horror movie, you're doing something right. I mean, he's biting an eyeball with teeth. Yeah. I mean, unless He's that's what like, might be his eyeball, which is my favorite part. I'm sorry, I'm thinking of a gag where he pull he kills someone with a glass eye and accidentally chips a tooth. Oh, that's how they defeat him with a sting. With <laughs> the FBI like, agents from Freddy uh, from Jason goes to hell. I'm just saying it's like a wily e. coyote sketch, and he doesn't realize the eyeball is actually painted TNT, like a hand grenade or something. Poisonous gas comes out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> To get back to a conversation we started earlier, boy, it, like I like red screening because if you made that actually like an Italian title, I bet that sounds dope as hell. It looks I'm very thinking, like on a poster. It does. It does. But like, okay, so uh, to me, the best Giallo title is Deep Red, and it's even better than the original t Italian, the Profondo Rosso. Like that sounds cool as hell, right? <laughs> Profound Red. I'm just saying, you just you slap some. Uh, I know this movie isn't Italian in any way, but it's an homage to it in the title. Uh, hold on here. We've got the internet in front of us. I'm going to do a live Google Translate to see if this is cool or not. We have the internet here on the show with us tonight. Give them a round of applause, guys. I, I brought him in. Make it, like, to make it really legit, they should have it where in Italy it's red screening and then everywhere else it's it's the last <laughs> matinee. <laughs> and in some regions, it's Evil Dead 6. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually a demons film, interestingly enough. Speaking of, I, I was it was amazing seeing the Evil Dead 2 VHS skull like in its original context in a movie. <laughs> oh, and also it cracked me up because I kept seeing the opera poster in the background. Like 
I didn't even pay attention to the other two posters that were next to it. They could have been fake posters, but they kept showing opera. Um, I appreciate okay, the director just wearing it on on his sleeve. Well, it's it's really interesting to me because he's clearly tapping more, I would say, into the Jalo aesthetics than he is the slasher side of things. The yeah. movie functions as a slasher, but it looks like a Jalo. And no, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's it makes sense because this isn't an Italian production. Why should he have to operate by the exact same rules of a genre that's essentially been dead for 30 years? Yeah, it's very different uh, storytelling rules. And I would like to see more stuff like that. Uh, I think that's one of its like it, its strengths and one of the reasons I, I loved it so much is it has this um, – has like the curtain of a giallo, but everything behind it is is a slasher, and that is a really cool mix. You don't, you've never really seen very often, in very rare circumstances. Well, mm-hmm. and, and not just that. There's also a lot of like sincere teen movie like dramedy going on here. I think we both had the same reaction afterwards. We were talking about like. Was that like a slasher movie version of Can't Hardly Wait? <laughs> it does. It does take a while to get to the actual murders because you got to set up the fact that everyone is kind of horny and lonely. And I, I, honestly, that's most of the connection between these people. Or, you know, it's the stuff like, oh, there's a kid who doesn't want to get caught because he's sneaking to the theater or a crazy old guy who's just hanging around. Earth 2 Jonah Hill is there. <laughs> yeah well you you end up uh god that was very distracting um <laughs> i'm never gonna be what, able to not see that now jamie good what um <laughs> what i really love the contents he did was and it would have been very easy to like make this purely a hey weren't giallos and slashers cool but a lot of that is just window dressing at the end of the end of the day like that's the starting off point it's the jumping off point he really makes the movie its own thing on top of that. So Last Matinee is able to sit sit beside all of those other films kind of as equals instead of being like another throwback. Yeah, something that's pure homage or throwback I don't think ever really lives. You know, if you, you divorce it from the context fun, of the original. It doesn't have staying power. Right, you kind of forget about it. You might watch it after you watch the original that it's inspired by just as kind of a novelty. Yeah. It, it takes a lot more to take whatever they're doing originally and add enough twist and spark to it to be exciting on its own. Uh, I, I just finished and reading You've Got Red on You, so I've got Shaun of the Dead on the mind, which did a very <laughs> a much, much bigger, higher, loftier goal. You know, Shaun of the Dead is on a different platform than pretty much every movie. But that started off, it could have easily just been a zombie movie. And instead, it brought in the idea of, okay, what if it's a romantic comedy on top of being a zombie film, on top of being an homage to George Romero's stuff? And you end up with something that's fuck. I would I would watch that along with all the Romero films and consider it an equal. Yeah. I'm not saying this and is actually, the same um, caliber as Deep Red or Urban Legend or anything, but it's still very enjoyable. I think fans are gonna have a great time with this film. I, I think bringing up Shaun of the Dead is like almost a a comparison to how the homage is is handled is pretty apt because I think Contenti and Wright kind of attacked it from the same regard, which is like this is where this this is where this comes from, but also unlike those other films that just focus on the homages and, hey, weren't these other movies really good? They, they, they also come at characters. There's actual characters populating these movies. And that added a nice um, additional thrill, I think, to the last matinee in that you never actually knew who was going to die next. And it really gave 
uh, a good feeling of no one's actively safe at any point. Like I was surprised about who ends up being there at the end. Oh yeah. And who dies in what order, because each character is kind of treated equally as the main character. And I think I joked about this in my written review, but, but you could strip like all the horror elements out and it's like a coming of age type story set in a, in a late night theater screening in like in the nineties and everyone figures themselves out that night. Like it has that kind of vibe going for it. And every character is no matter how, you know, you don't get to know all of them personally. They all feel very fleshed out and you're actually kind of interested in, in what's happening with each one. When you check in. I will say there, there's a little bit of a gift and curse to that, though, because we get all these characters, and because there's a decent number of them, most of them have to die, we don't get a huge amount of time to stick with them or resolve some of their stories. Most of them, in the end, are fodder, so <laughs> you kind of have these threads that just get chopped loose. Not necessarily a bad thing, but it doesn't feel as tight as it could be. I don't know, I wouldn't call it sloppy, but I would say it's designed to feel a little bit more nebulous, you know, just kind of loosey-goosey. Yeah, it's 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 um, almost an impossible task, but I also do think it adds a little bit more to uh, like, oh, that character died because you were kind of interested in seeing where shit was going. <laughs> well, everyone gets limited time, so everyone feels like the main character until they die. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like the guy in the bathroom wiping the, the jizz off his jeans. During his death scene, he feels like the main character. So when he bites it, you're kind of like, oh, OK, I guess he's not the main character. Yeah, or, not uh, oh, go ahead. I was say, well, Anna seems like the immediate choice for the standard slasher survivor girl protagonist whenever she comes in. Like, she's the daughter of the rejectionist. She, she, she has all these little nods like, okay, we're going to follow her story. And then she's mostly irrelevant for a good chunk of the film. Yeah, she's in the projection booth, so she's really sidelined for almost the entirety of the film. I mean, even, even like study. the... Yeah, she's got a thing going. Like, I was always really surprised like her dad didn't come back into play because they took the time yeah. to introduce that character and his ailments and their relationship briefly. And then he, he just wanders off into the night. So that that's the kind of stuff where I would say, ah, it could be a little tighter. It does provide some good character stuff, but it feels very It adds strange. good color, though. Like, it makes, that's true. it makes the movie feel like it exists outside of itself, which, I, which is <laughs> little touches I often appreciate in any genre, really, is just... I I like how it does feel like when a character walks off, they, they keep going, even if we don't see them again. My my comparison would be in Jaws, when Quint takes his machete and slams it against the side of the orca, and there's that close-up of it kind of wobbling against the side of the ship. Machete. I really am. I'm going to keep bringing it up until Steven Spielberg remakes the movie and corrects this. <laughs> Makes you it see that machete, and in my mind, it just becomes foreshadowed. I'm like, oh, he's going to use that later against the shark. And then it doesn't matter. Like, it's not, it, it's it's a non-starter. Which isn't a criticism against what Spielberg's doing, but it, it, the perception he creates in my mind distracts me and puts me down the wrong path. I feel that way with some of the characters and settings in this film. Like, they will set up an idea and then not necessarily capitalize on it does it make a bad filmmaking no but it means my expectations were pulled in one direction and then i was kind of left hanging in the end left Maybe, hanging mike, can like we just make eyeball oh mike can we just make our own version of jaws where we can finally use the machete <laughs> like with what uh, like cardboard and tape like i'll be this version of quint and i'll accidentally like chop my leg off while trying to escape the shark using it and then people will be like oh it all comes full circle he can't swim now if only he had life jackets 
maybe maybe they could just like CGI out the machete and put in like a big walkie-talkie in its place, like ET. I already made that joke. Um, also, Fuck. I'm just can Damn. I play the shark? <laughs> I, I was going to say yes, and I thought, mm, is this getting too close close to vor porn? No, I'm just imagining Mike as one of those big uh, shark dudes from that Katy Perry Super Bowl halftime show <laughs> review, <laughs> just waving around and like. In a very crappy, like, swimming pool we've put a small raft in. Jamie will compromise oh, this a live adaption of Street Sharks. And shit like that <laughs> and just make the shape of a shark. Oh, I like that. It's, it's more based on what you don't see. True. It's, it's an imagination game by not having a shark. It's oh, like Jamie, I thought you were trying to wrap the episode up by with that little bit of what you don't see pun. <laughs> no, I, 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 some... I've I already mentioned the dangling eyeball. That was my I, out, I, and you I, wasted it. I thought we were doing some do you, eye do you transitions. Think the eyeballs taste good. I I like fish eyes, so I imagine I'd probably like eyeballs. I've I don't think I've ever eaten an animal's eyes, so I have no idea what it tastes like. I imagine it's mostly good amount of vitamin like, E, like a gusher, right? Like kind of a tough membrane on the outside, and then gooey on the end. A little bit, yeah. Folks at home, if you've ever eaten a human eyeball, uh, one, please don't ever come to my house. You scare me. Two. Please do tell me on Twitter, because I'm very curious. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at BopWatch1, <laughs> the number. <laughs> See how fucking smooth that was? I won a ward. That was, that was, ooh, That nice. was, Jesus Christ, that was, that was sliding into some pussy right there. But Mike, Lord, you're going to be so happy editing pussy. the end of this episode. It's one that will actually maybe end. I'm going to have, have to do no for once. Mike, what's your Twitter handle? It's it, it's funny you should ask. Cody, tell the eyeball I was kid. just thinking about what my Twitter handle was, so I could tell the folks at home. <laughs> it's Lucky Deck Napier. Jamie, round us out. Uh, you can find me at Mondo Funky. And if you don't want to talk to an individual person, because that's scary, there is at Box Office Pulp. If you just want to talk to the Nebulous Show, you don't know which one of us you're getting. You're just spinning the wheel, baby. Oh, actually, so the yeah. show itself tweets. It's it's, um, it's a lot. Uh, it saw a virus too many times, and now it really just wants to kill Jamie Lee Curtis and and tweet. That's that's all it wants. I mean, I do agree man that virus. man is the true virus. Correct. Anyways, this has been Call Box Office Pulp. Hat. <laughs> Damn it, Mike, I'm trying to end the show here. Now I have to talk about his hat. Um, also, so can I just been... bring up one more trivia point about last matinee, though? Go ahead. I don't know if you guys are aware, but I mean, most people uh, at this point are if they look into the film. Um, but if for anyone listening who's not aware who watched the film, the killer is actually played by a director who made the movie they are watching inside the movie. Ooh. So there's actually, if you take that into account, there's a really interesting meta thing going on that it's fun to rewatch the movie like with that in mind. Like it's well, the whole idea of a killer like in a really theater know. who takes eyes and, you know, the whole watching back and forth thing. You can make a lot out of that. Now that I know yeah, the killer is a actually a director a fun. who is behind the screen, making the film that's on the screen, watching it from the other side of the screen that we're watching. Oh, my God. It boggles the mind. There's so many layers. And Michael Berryman's driving him around and he doesn't have eyelids. <laughs> and I've crossed movies over. I'm sorry. Oof. Anyways, next time on New York Ninja. I'm so mad, Mike. I had such a smooth out, and then we got pulled back in, folks. This I like is how you the... brought up New York Ninja. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll do. We'll talk about more later. I can't even grammatically structure a sentence. I'm so excited about New York Ninja. <laughs> um, box office pulp. Good show done. 
<laughs> audience by is how I now sign off from things. Folks, if you enjoyed this episode, we have many more that are not just reviews, but whole feature commentaries. We have episodes just talking about general film topics or new release films, old release films. We cover the whole gamut. You can find us at boxofficepulp.com. We've already told you our Twitters. If you want to follow the podcast, leave us a review. We are on iTunes. We are on Stitcher. Amazon Facebook. Podcast. I never remember that one. You just got to say it. Amazon you just gotta... Podcast. Why are you reading it like the library? Amazon Podcasts. You have 10 unread books. Folks, thank you so much for joining us. Folks, does folks count? Folks has to be like... I like inclusive, right? I think you should go with folks. Folks, I've been doing that so long, it'd be easy to continue doing. Yeah, I learned something this episode. Anyways, that's a wrap, folks. See, I used it. Right, right, right there. Ah. And like that, he's gone. Can you please end all future episodes with show done? Show just, done. You just close out the Skype window. I mean, I'm really mad because I looked up the English to Italian translation of red screening and I never had a time to actually say it. Um, I, I have an Italian friend. I'm going to have to be like, Leo, could you, what, what, what the fuck am I saying here? And he'd be like, oh, sure. Um, Prozona Rosa. Which actually does not sound cool. I'm glad they didn't have to red screening. Prozona <laughs> Rosa. Prozona Rosa. Prozona sounds good. P-R-O-I-E-Z-I-O-N-E. Prozona Rosa. I don't I don't know. I don't like it. It's no profondo. Profondo. Profound red. What a cool name, right? That's a cool name. Screaming metal. Cool name. Rakota. New York Ninja. Cool name. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Do you think the Italians have their own word for ninja? I think it's ninja. Ninja de New York. New York ninja. Yeah, it's just ninja. That's boring. Yeah. No. Yeah. Thanks for ending this on a downer note. This is Box Office Pulp Guy, and this has been a Pulp Podcast production. Now please, 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 put a gun in my mouth and pull the trigger and say goodnight. And now, on with the show.